Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Health Shift, the podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind, body, and spirit well-being. We want to help you make a shift. Please note that these discussions are not medical advice, nor should they be used in place of medical assessments and treatments. So let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Andrew Lenhart. Dr. Lenhart is a board-certified family doctor with a focus on chronic complex health problems. Wow, and I can attest to that as well. He is on the faculty of Tufts Medical School, Endicott College, and Yale University. He's written two books, The Best of All Worlds and Emotional Intelligence in a Complex World. He is also the founder and medical director of the venture, Complex Health Solutions. Complex Health Solutions uses algorithms to predict the most likely underlying root causes for each person's chronic health problems. Welcome, Dr. Lenhart. Great to have you here today. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, so tell us your story and how you got where you are today. You know, your calling from uh, early days of medicine. Well, I was. Uh, I went to school and I was a finance major, and uh, there was no one in my family that ever went into medicine. Um, it never occurred to me. It never came up once in my life uh, as a particular as a path for me. Um, and then uh, people can probably relate to this. There was a fateful moment in my life where I was working in quality improvement at Boston City Hospital, and uh, a woman named Shannon Tyne uh, was working there, and she was on her way to Brown Medical School, and. One day at lunch, I was talking about the uncertainty of my future and whether I would be an English professor or get into public health. And she said, well, what about medical school? And then I said, but I couldn't go to medical school because I have a finance degree. And then she said, well, that doesn't really matter. You can have any undergraduate degree. And I said, okay, you know, so that night I signed up for a chemistry class and started my prerequisites and went to night school for two and a half years. And um, it was an incredible moment. And, you know, it's interesting about my path in life. And when I was a young, hyper-rational male, um, in retrospect, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but I had a very narrow view of the world. And when people would say things like, you know, things happen for a reason and there are no coincidences, Uh, Back then, uh, I disregarded those concepts. But, you know, the longer I live and the more I understand the world around me, the more I believe uh, in those in those moments that we have to to seize when they come up. So it was. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's really fascinating. Yeah. And what were some of the obstacles that got in your way? Well, medical school can be challenging. I mean, I had to go to night school for two and a half years as I was working full time. So that was uh, one of the busier times in my life. But uh, and then when I went into medical school, um, you know, I, I wasn't I was interested in primary care from the very beginning. I was interested in family practice from the very beginning. Um, I wasn't what was called a gunner. You know, when I was in medical school the term for people that were hyper ambitious, the people that wanted to be specialists and surgeons, they were gunners, they were Mm. um, really driven to be, you know, number one. And, 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 you know, I really wanted to learn what I needed to learn to be a good physician. And, um, 
So medical school, I'm not saying it was easy. Of course, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't as hard for me as it could have been for those reasons. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I would say that I found a great residency in Pennsylvania. I went back around to the Pittsburgh area where I grew up, and um, I found a group of people that I was very synchronized with and had very compatible with at Forbes residency outside of Pittsburgh. And um, I would say nowadays there are, you know, more barriers because I'm trying to bridge the gap between traditional allopathic medicine and functional medicine, integrated medicine, and, and uh, trying to find the best of all worlds and trying to, in some ways, be an intermediary between the group as much as I possibly can. So, um, and there are different barriers, uh, as you know, Julie, to being a functional practitioner because because a lot of what we do is not covered by insurance. And then mm. every day I have to decide, you know, what tests I can order that are not covered by insurance. And, and uh, so that, that's, a, that's a real challenge. The work's challenging enough, but trying to navigate the way through the insurance system is very, very difficult. And actually one of the reasons why I stay or I came back to a traditional medical office um, is so that I can get as much testing covered as possible through the insurance company. So, mm -hmm. so um, I, I won't demonize the insurance company because that's, that's too easy. Um, but, but being a functional doctor and trying to do the work is, uh, th those are the barriers. Those are the challenges for me, I would say. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've, I, I've found the same thing and, you know, I've been doing this for so many years now. I remember when, you know, Genova was first called great Smokies diagnostics and yeah. those tests used to be covered by insurance. Wow. And, you know, years ago when I was um, affiliated with uh, Newton Wellesley hospital, I actually worked with their lab manager to get Alatest testing, which was food sensitivity testing. And we got that covered by insurance. And so I hear you in terms of, uh, you know, it being really, really challenging to want to do those deep dive tests for people, but then you're not being able to, uh, you know, to afford it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, um, you know, we all bring different things individually as providers into the world of healthcare. And as I said, I'm trying to be an intermediary and go between, between the groups as much as possible. But uh, I think about it all the time. And I think one of the things I try to bring is a practical side of it, because like, for example, I won't name names, but I was watching an interview from a very prominent functional person. Um, and she's fantastic. And she was interviewing a woman and they were talking about care they were providing. And, um, you know, and she's basically described thousands and thousands of dollars worth of tests and, you know, and it, it was very impressive. And, but on the practical side, that it can't be like that. You, you know, we, mm -hmm. we all are challenged to make functional integrative medicine available to more people. And there are ways to do that. And um, it just has to be a consideration, I think, because it can't be limited to the 10 to 20% of the population, you know, who can afford it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I really think from my perspective, doing anything I can to, uh, to make it more available for more and more people is one of my major goals. And I don't hear that very often in the functional medicine sphere because everyone's trying to do amazing work and figure out the root causes and, 
you know, so it's uh, really, it's about efficiency. It's about trying to efficiently figure things out as quickly as possible. So you get on the right path and prioritize. And, and um, so that, that's actually the, the, and you mentioned the complex health solutions. That's really the, the goal of, of that system is to make the process more efficient to figure things out more quickly. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, I, cause I, I so agree with you. That's one of the things that um, makes me personally angry about functional medicine. I love it. And I love the way that, you know, it really looks at a more systems biology approach in a, in a whole person. I just had a discussion with a client, potential client this morning. And I said, well, I'm not just going to be looking at your allergies and what we need to eliminate, but I'm going to look at your whole body, you know, what's going on in your whole systems, your gut, your brain and, and all of that. Um, but like you, I, I, you know, I'm not happy at the fact that these tests are so expensive and, and not covered. So I generally try to look at LabCorp and Quest and see what's possible, you know, there first before, you know, then potentially thinking about a, uh, a functional test. So, right. exactly. yeah. Same perspective. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that we, we share that. Yes, absolutely. Of, and I'm sure a lot of people do because, you know, people go into healing and healthcare often because they want to help people. And so I'm sure that's a, a common sentiment in the, in our world. So sure. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I've had the privilege of working with you both personally and professionally, and I've found your approach not to only be brilliant when it comes to connecting the docs with uh, complex medical challenges, but also, you know, really getting to the role of trauma and emotional cognitive challenges that coexist and that really contribute to illness and lack of wellness. And I remember when you and I first had coffee, you know, as you were, as I was getting to know you as a, as a clinician, but then also just talking a little bit about my own history, you dove right into looking at those childhood traumas and how they contributed to things that were going on. And I just, you know, again, love that, respect that so much. So tell me a little bit more about that in your practice. Yeah, I would say one of the most important, that's, there's so many um, breakthroughs that I've had and, and every, with, in terms of the evolution of my practice, um, there are things that uh, become more and more prominent and more and more important in the work that I do. And then occasionally there are things that become less prominent and, it, it, you know, it's a dynamic process, of course. Um, but understanding on a deep level, uh, the mind body relationship and the way we store things in the way, you know, you can look at this from a neurologic perspective with neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. um, and that has its place. Absolutely. You know, the, the Western model, the reductionist model is, uh, is important. And you can look at it on a psychic level, but I think the beauty of the 21st century medicine is really putting these things together. Neurology and psychiatry really belong together because it's really about the brain. Mm -hmm. So the idea of separating the disciplines and the neurologists manage their piece of it and the psychiatrists manage their piece of it uh, really doesn't make a lot of sense. So in the last, especially the last three or four years, and since you and I have known each other, understanding that uh, the importance of that as a, as a really a deep layer. And even to the point of um, like based on the work of Joseph Dispenza and Annie Hopper and Aisha Gupta, and Norman Doidge, and so many people that are doing amazing work. I'll even say to people who are chronically, intractably frustrated and ill that if we don't address 
this deep layer, what Annie Hopper would call limbic system dysfunction, and there are other terms for it. If we don't address that and we don't address it on a consistent basis, preferably a daily basis over time, we probably will not be able to make significant progress. Mm -hmm. um, no matter what we do, you know, we can do stool analysis and organic acid. We could do all these amazing things. Um, but if we don't, if we don't work on this and, and the longer a person is ill, the more frustrated they are, um, the more practitioners they see, um, the more it really sinks in and this degree of hopelessness um, becomes so dense. And yeah. I'll say to them, number one, if we don't work on this, we probably aren't going to make progress. And even to the point where I've had people where it's the only thing we worked on yep. and they made progress. So I didn't have to tweak their thyroid, get their hormones better, build up their, you know, fix their leaky gut or get their nutrient better or make an anti-inflammatory diet. I mean, probably we did those things as well, to be fair, but it's incredible because it goes back to very basic principles, which is the body can has the capacity to heal, regenerate, and take care of itself. We just have to chaperone the process, assist the process. So um, it, some of that is really, you know, gone beyond what I would have ever, you know, uh, believed possible. Um, the, the level of, of success that some people have had with that. And it's something I need to there's so many things, I don't know about you, but I have to always be, remind myself, I have to keep coming around and saying, you know, don't forget about this, don't forget about that. And I, you know, I work hard to not forget about that piece, uh, 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 you know, of the puzzle, so. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I was um, watching a webinar this morning on uh, genetics and the gut. And uh, one of the things that was really um, poignant was, the fact that this takes time and, you know, we live in a society where it's, it's a pill for every ill and tomorrow you should be all better or let's cut it out and it'll go away. And we have to remind clients and patients that this all takes time and that it really does go back to our childhood experiences and how it, how entrenched that gets. And um, I was actually just speaking a little bit earlier this week about uh, Bessel van der Kolk's book, you know, the body keeps score. And again, that cellular memory and how we have to kind of break through all of that, but it doesn't happen overnight. That's for sure. Right. Well, and people can, through certain techniques of, of uh, positive thinking and mindfulness and affirmations, um, the body will reorient itself and the body will shift and change and the brain will shift and change. And then when the brain shifts and change the hormones and you know, uh, the microbiome shifts and there are all these shifts and it's a beautiful thing because you don't necessarily have to get down in the weeds and tweak every <laughs> little number. You can really, you know, the body can do that sometimes, not always, of course, but often. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. It, it just, it needs a little nudge and it needs support. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, so you know, it reminds perspective is, obviously one of the fundamental differences of functional medicine that absolutely and can't, you know, can't be overstated how, how important that the big picture and the long-term perspective, you know, no, no doubt. So trying to slow everybody down and, and I'm, I'm very impatient. So you know, anything <laughs> in my life, it's just my nature. I mean, um, 
anything in my life that can slow me down, you know, um, anything that promotes patience uh, is going to be good for me as a person, as a practitioner. And, and um, yeah, so it's a good strategy. Yeah, well, I, I think I, I think I'm of the same ilk as you and that when it comes to that, for sure. You know, this year, um, I, I, I do uh, employee assistance programs, they used to be in person. And of course, this year, we had to do everything online. But the majority of everything was stress management, work-life balance, sleep, mindfulness, you know, and of course I would sneak in things about nutrition because obviously that plays a role, but it was so much more devoted to, again, that, you know, psychological aspect of life and how we needed to really kind of slow down. And, you know, it brings me back to thinking about how I have been working with folks to retrain the parasympathetic nervous system. In fact, I did a Facebook live on parasympathetic what? Because <laughs> some people don't even know the term, yeah. um, you know, for better gut function, vagus nerve exercises, motility support, gut lining healing and things of that nature. And, you know, it sounds like a strange combo, but I'm really finding it helping, you know, helping my patients. And a lot of my interest in that, you know, has been born out of my own lifelong challenges with gut function, which uh, I know that, you know, since we work together on a personal basis, um, but tell me a little bit about your favorite practices with that in that regard. You mean personally or professionally? Oh, well, you can go either way or yeah. even both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our personal basis, uh, trying to stay to the state of having a regular meditation practice, um, mm -hmm. that would be the most powerful thing I could do, you know, um, because then it, then I bring the mindfulness into to much of my day and, you know, I'm a better husband, father, you know, everything. So, um, you know, honestly, uh, there are areas, um, that I've, so what ends up happening is something will come up like Vegas nerve exercises. And I'll try to read research in my free time and try to figure out how to incorporate it into my practice. Um, what, what's frustrating for me is that there are so many modalities and so many worthwhile, uh, pursuits that, I don't have enough time. So like for polyvagal theory and vagus nerve exercises for something like that, I started down the path and then, so like I, for example, so I mean, I don't introduce that. What I end up doing for people that come in and I think there's a, you know, a strong element of, again, I the limbic system dysfunction is a fine term. So I'll use that term, any offers term. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's important. Um, I will uh, refer them to these different websites and I'll ask them to look at all of them and see which one is it connects with them, which clicks mm. with them and uh, try to follow up with them. Um, you know, I, like most practitioners, uh, I try to keep it simple. I talk to them about meditation. I talk to people about mindfulness. I talk to people about yoga. Um, I talk to people about just being outside, uh, being in the sunshine being in the sunshine in the morning and the evening and dawn and dusk um, yep. and, you know, grounding and, and walking in bare feet is an interesting, you know, uh, an interesting, you know, idea. Um, so that, that the, uh, those are the ways I incorporate it. And, and, you know, one thing is, which I've had to learn, another thing I've had to learn over and over and over again is really not to prejudge people, not to be prejudicial or profile people because it doesn't, you know, like I could, somebody could come in and I could say, well, there's no way this person is going to be interested in meditation. 
you know, if I bring it up, they're going to go, ah, get out of here, you know, but that's not, we have, a, we're in a position of authority and uh, we're in a position of influence. And e even if they were, even if they would take that stance, um, we still need to talk to them about it because more often than not, they will listen to us mm -hmm. and consider things they wouldn't. But, but very often uh, when I talk to people, I'm surprised and they, and they thought about it and they've worked on it and they understand the importance of it. And that's really the role, like in the naturopathic tradition, it's collaboration and you work as a coach and a mentor and an advocate and a support and a teacher and an apprentice all at the same time. And so, um, so that's just a, another uh, thing that I've, the, one of the many things I've learned to practice, which is to, 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 uh, to work with, with everybody on these things. And people often are saying like, oh yeah, I've been meditating for five years. And I go, well, okay, it's fantastic. You know, okay, I, I, I didn't know, I didn't think about it. So, so I do try to work it in as much as I can and on a consistent basis. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I have found that too with, with many of my clients that you wouldn't think that entertaining those options with people that they'd go, yeah, I love that idea, but so many people are excited and yeah. I think, again, you know, those of us that have, you know, healthcare degrees, you're a physician, you know, I started out as a nutritionist. Um, we do have a little bit of that credibility in the medical model. And so when you start to talk about some of the woo-woo stuff, you know, the energy medicine and the neurological retraining and BDNF and all this other stuff, um, I think people take us more seriously. So, Absolutely. Yeah, 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 that's great. Well, and, wow. and energy, energy work is, a, is an even better example of, of what I gave because even as I try to describe some of these ideas, um, I prepare myself for the, you know, the eye roll, but people are interested. People are intrigued. People are curious, you know, for sure. And people yes. are much more open-minded. I guess the point I'm trying to make is people are much more open-minded um, than I ever realized. Yes. And they're, and they're getting more so. I, I joined a, an organization called Chi. In fact, they're right out here in La Jolla. And, um, you know, many of the folks that are being interviewed are, you know, UCSD researchers. And they're in not only the medical, you know, medical framework, but they're very much into the whole energetic framework. So um, I've been really having fun listening and catching up on a lot of that as well. So, yeah. Because somebody, even if somebody's a hard-headed cynic, and they don't believe in anything in the spiritual realm, even that person, you can still look at it from a, from a standpoint of physics or quantum mm -hmm. physics or energy or energy and matter. Um, so you can really look at the same thing, you know, from the, from the Eastern perspective or the Western perspective. And, and you're often talking about the same thing on some level. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just the way that it's described, you know, but, and science is not static, you know, so I think that we have to remember that things are evolving and that things that we used to say, you know, didn't exist or couldn't be, you know, couldn't be possible. We're actually finding now they are. So um, I remember a friend of mine years ago, he used to say, nutrition's not a science because it's always changing. And, uh, and, and it's kind of true, but when you think about it, it's the same way in medicine, you know, Nothing stays static. That's for sure. Yeah. Got to say that things, and yeah, that seems a bit odd. It's, it's not science because it's changing all the time. Right. 
seems to be the exact opposite of what science is. You know, science <laughs> is never-ending exploration of, you know, search for the truth and versions of the truth and better answers, I mean, so. Yeah, 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 very, very interesting. Well, this has been an absolutely amazing discussion. So I would love to know what three tips would you like to leave the audience with today? Okay, so three tips. Um, well, that, that's hard. So I would say to number one is like the things that I've read over the years in terms of the most important determinants of health, uh, a lot of it comes back full circle to relationships and being with people because, you know, that's, we're hardwired. So um, I think anything that we're doing that's enhancing the relationships with people in our lives, either people that we're close to or people that we, we don't know uh, is probably going to be in our best interest uh, for all aspects of our health. And anything we do, um, insults, criticisms, judgments, um, uh, grudges, you know, anything we do that uh, divides us on a human level is going to have an adverse effect on our health. So, mm. so uh, you know, we all, I, I think it's, we all would be served to, to keep that in mind about, you know, it, it's more important to be to be happy than to be right or whatever that line is that most mm -hmm. of us heard. And so it's, it's more important to do whatever it takes to have a strong, to have strong uh, relation, you know, deep connections with people. Um, number two, uh, I guess I would say to be, and this is, this is this number two, I'm going to dedicate it to the younger people because I work with students and um uh, and I know how, and I've alluded to this before, but I, I know what my state of mind was when I was in my 20s. Again, I didn't realize how narrow-minded I was because that's, that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. um, but when I talk to someone who's younger, um, I say, listen, I don't expect you to accept, you know, the whole thing. But all I would ask you to do is to be open to the potential, open to the potential that there's more to the world than you see with your eyes and to avoid your own self, you know, your own limiting beliefs about life and the world and uh, how things truly are. So mm -hmm. maintaining, you know, almost uh, that level of, of openness, I think. And the second thing I would say, um, third one, I, I really want to come up with, I mean, I could say diet, nutrition and exercise, but that would be, that would be too simple. <laughs> um, yeah, the third one, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed. Um, whatever people can do to, to be outside and be active and be in beautiful places. And, you know, like I, uh, I should get outside every day, even for 10 minutes, just be outside. Mm -hmm. you know? Go back to how we're, you know, what do we need? You know, the term ancestral health is, a, is, a, is right on because who are we and what do we need? to be healthy in mind, body, and spirit, you know, and, and we need to be with people and we need to have connections and we need to be outside and we need to be in beautiful places. Um, so, you know, going to the woods, going to the beach, taking off your shoes. Um, and I think those are all very, very important for, for each of us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. That, that's actually wonderful. That just brings back one more thought, uh, 
my favorite professor in college who was a psychology professor, but I remember when I studied environmental psychology and I can remember the, the, uh, the book cover, it was this white and black, these skyscraper buildings. And I, and I remember clearly how it impacted people's negativity, you know, depression, aggression, crime, all of that when we weren't out there in nature with, you know, the greens and the blues and all of that. So thank you so much for bringing that up as well. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your amazing wisdom. So thank Lassie, you. how can people connect with you? I do have a, a website, drlenhart.com, which is D-R-L-E-N-H-A-R-D-T.com. And I have references and blogs and protocols and, you know, in some ways, you know, my, my life's work and ambition is all laid out there. And then um, I do have my venture complex health solutions, very exciting. It's in a constant state of evolution. Um, what I would say to your listeners is to go to www.complexhealthsolutions.com. Um, take a look around. The system takes 10 minutes. It's not expensive. And almost every person that takes this survey and gets this root cause analysis it takes 30 root causes and it predicts the most likely top five for each person and it ranks them um, wow. using algorithms and people are just blown away. I just had somebody um, who, who did the report a few days ago and she sent me an email just of appreciation. And she said, I, you know, it came, it told me it ranked that I have a problem with oxalates and it, it ranked mast cell activation in my top five. And she says, I've been trying to convince my practitioners for the last five years that I had problems with these. And I'm just so grateful um, that, so, so that, so that system uh, is, is a really valuable tool for people that really want to understand on a deeper level, the root causes and uh, how to optimize their health. So oh, that um, is that, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So, okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go right on there right after we get off today. <laughs> yeah. And we're all narcissistic on some level because <laughs> we're all in our own head and it's our life and we're the heroes and heroines of our own story. So nothing wrong with being a low level, you know, narcissist interested in our own. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, awesome. Um, and if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and share with your friends, family, and coworkers. I am on a mission to change the current paradigm of healthcare and mental health care. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net, on Instagram at juliefreemanmindfulwellness, and on YouTube at juliefreemanfunctionalmedicinelahoya. Until next time.